Well, today, this last weekend, and uh, we have all of our kids and our students in service with us today. Kids ministry and student ministry will resume next weekend, but for all of the kids and the students, thank you for being with us today. It's great to have you in service. I want to speak today on the subject, fail forward. Fail forward. The two words fail and forward may seem an oxymoron to you. It may seem contradictory, but I'm going to suggest that's what we need to do. All of us, self-included, we have failed in life. Yeah. Did you ever fail a driving test? Uh, Did you? Did you? Ever apply for a job and go through the interview process and you didn't get the job? Did you, did you go through the process to get a promotion and it didn't happen? Did you make a loan application to get a home and it wasn't approved, credit rating was not there, the interest rate too high, they couldn't work out, it just didn't happen? You remember in school, you know the A, B, C, D, D minus, and then there's one more grade, yeah? When I went to school, everything was paper. Do you ever notice the teacher would write the F, the failing grade, on the top in red? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was, well, that just somehow like a brand, wasn't it, huh? Not, not that I ever got an F. I saw some of Denise's homework, you know, and <laughs> not, not that I ever was in that category. You flunked a course. You, you failed and said, got a failing grade. We've all have failed at some point. Yes. Do you know that today, today, the last day of the year, it's every year, it's International Unlucky Day. True. Do you know what they tell us we're supposed to do today? The last day of the year, we're supposed to look back and think about all of our mistakes and our failures and how, the, how bad the year was. You're, they give you one day to do it the last day of the year. You know what? I'm going to invite you. Don't do that. (laughs) That's not good medicine. Uh, I I don't want to reflect on my past failures and my past mistakes. I don't want to, I don't want to live in that. I don't want to be caught in the failures. And some of us, some of us this year, we've had the, the most drastic failure in our life. Is it a business? Is it a relationship? Is it a marriage? Yeah, something that you get to the end of this year and that failure, it's, it's a wound. It has emotion to it. And some of you right now, you sense your heart pulsating with the, with the emotion just to talk about the failure. This year, I'm gonna invite you, fail forward. Typically when we fail, we feel like we're being held back a grade or we had to do it all over again. We can't advance. We can't go past goal. We can't get our $200. We can't move forward. We can't go. It always feels like we're going backwards. I want to invite us to fail forward. Now there's a story in the Bible, Luke chapter 15. If you have your Westover app, I invite you to turn there and all of our notes are on there today to help you, assist you. But it's the story of the prodigal son. 
Now, in the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15, there are 22 verses, and I have the kids here and the youth, and reading 22 verses might seem kind of weighty and overwhelming, so let me, let me for a moment succinctly put the story of the prodigal son to us, uh, as Jesus taught us. Jesus taught us a parable. There was a, there was a father. There was a father, and the story of the prodigal son is this, the son the son took his inheritance, his portion of what he was going to get from the father, his wealth, his money, ran off, wasted it, and made a failure, a ridiculous living, sin. And then when he had nothing, when messed up, he returned back to the father and he was restored. I could say he failed forward. The story of the prodigal son is, is the story of, of foolishness, frustration, the story of failure and the story of forgiveness. That's what the story of the prodigal son is. And maybe in keeping with this thought of failure, let me share with you the prodigal son, the story in the key of F. Okay. Feeling footloose and fancy free, a feather-brained fellow forced his fond father to fork over a fair portion of the family fortune. Fleeing far to foreign fields, he frittered the finances while feasting fabulously and frolicking with faithless friends. Finally, facing famine and fleeced by his friends in folly, he found himself feeding in a filthy farmyard. Fairly famished, fain would he have filled his frame with forage food from the fodder fragments. The fragile fugitive fumed, frankly facing facts. Phooey, my father's flunkies fare far fancier. So frustrated by failure and filled with forbidding, he forthwith fled to his family. Falling at his father's feet, he floundered forlornly. Father, I have flunked. I have foolishly forfeited family favor. The faithful father, forestalling further flinching, fully forgave and said to the flunkies, fetch forth the finest fattening and fix a feast. However, the fugitive's fault-finding fraternal frowned at such fickled forgiveness. But his fussing was futile. For the faithful father figured, what forestalls festivity? Unfurl the flag, let fun and frolic freely flow. For the fugitive is found, foolishness is forsaken, and forgiveness forms the foundation of future fortitude. Ah, oh, nah, nah. Ah, that's not, stay with me, stay with me, okay? All of us feel like we've made a a failing grade, we have flunked some course, the course of happiness, the course of ambition, maybe the course of success, maybe the course of healing in our life. And God does not want us to live in that. Now, every one of us, God gave you a gift. God put something inside of you and I, the animal kingdom doesn't add. Kids, students, You'll go to science course and they'll tell you, you evolve from a lower species. You know, you know, go from, the, from the, the goo 
to the zoo to you is what they'll tell you, okay? Uh, that's not how it happened. God put something inside of you called a conscience. And a conscience is something the animal kingdom does not have. The animal kingdom does not have the ability to distinguish right from wrong. They don't, there's no conscience in any of the animal kingdom. Only humans have that. It's in our soul nature. And we're, we have the ability to distinguish between right and wrong. But in your conscience, you have the ability to distinguish something else that's very important. And that is between the wise and the foolish. The Bible has a lot to say about that. Between wise and foolish, wise and unwise. And in your conscience, that's where God talks to us. And sometimes in life, the questions before us are not always a right and a wrong question. Sometimes they're a wise and a foolish question. And our ability to have success and move forward in life effectively is to not only make the right choice, but to make the wise choice as well. Often, often because it doesn't feel wrong, we can make foolish decisions. Now, foolishness comes in what I'm going to call five general categories. Five general, these are my categories, okay? But I'm going to nuance them out in five categories. There is the reckless there's the logical, the illogical, there is the self-willed and the unintentional. Let's talk about them for just a moment. First off, there is the reckless. There's some people that make reckless decisions in life, foolish decisions. Foolishness is that, that, that stupid, the ridiculous, full-hearted. It's just, it's making a disaster of your life. And sometimes we make some reckless decisions. The reckless person doesn't care about the rules, doesn't care what people say, doesn't care the, they, they, they have the inability to see the consequence. They go for something because they want it and they go full force and they do it. Sometimes people make foolish decisions, they're reckless. Sometimes their another level is the logical. Yes, the logical. And when I say logical, I'm going to say, or the rational, I'm gonna say extreme logical or extreme rational. Romans chapter one talks about this. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Yeah, this is the person that says, if I can't put it under a test tube and I can't see a scientific formula, I'm not going to believe in it. I'm not going to accept it. I need empirical evidence of the proof of God. And there's no empirical evidence. And they have their scientific formulas. And if you can't put it in a definition, and if you can't put it under a test tube and it's not a, it's, it's not a scientific formula, they don't believe that it exists. This is what the Bible says. They are an extreme rational extreme rational foolish yes let me just say you that let me just say that everyone in this room we know that love exists in fact I would dare say if I was to ask the question rhetorically we would say probably love is one of the greatest and most prized things in life to ever have do you know you can't put love under the test tube? There's no scientific formula about it. In fact, if you look in the encyclopedia, there are no articles on love. Why? Because you can't define it. You can't get it on Amazon. Yeah, you can't get it at Costco. But every one of us knows it's real and it's one of the most valuable things in life. And the person that denies the spiritual end. They're what the Bible calls the, 
the, the extreme rational, and being extremely rational can actually make you the fool. Then there's the irrational. These are the people that make foolish decisions and it's motivated by emotion. They are impulsive. They, when they feel down, they go out and buy things and overspend on their credit card. They have one argument. They want to go file for a divorce. They want to walk out. They have one bad day at the job. They want to quit the job. Something happens and, and they don't like what's going on. They just want to pack up and move across the country, go somewhere else. They don't even have a job. They don't have anything to go. They just, they make these reactionary decisions, foolish decisions. They're the irrational. There's the self-willed, the self-willed. Another word for self-willed would be stubborn, hard-headed. We say these people, they learn their lessons in life from the school of hard Nah, yeah, some of us attended that course, didn't we, huh? <laughs> you, were, you were one of my classmates in that class when I was going there, right? And, and then there's the unintentional. The unintentional, we can, we can make some foolish choices in life unintentionally. It's not that we didn't listen, we didn't read the directions, and we didn't want to do good. Some things just happen. You, you marry the person, and it's just the, everything is right, and they turn out, and they make poor decisions, and they become somebody else. The economy went bad. You started the business and you didn't know interest rates were going to go up. It wasn't that you were imprudent and you were, you were being reckless. You just unintentionally did something and it had some consequence to it. And can I say in all five of those categories, I've been there. I've been in all five categories and probably many of us, we've been in at least one or two of them in our life. We all have had foolishness in our life and we have made a failure because of a foolish or wrong choice we make. And here's my admonishment, always fail forward. Always fail forward. Now for the kids, for the kids and the students, for just a moment, let me hone in on that. In the alphabet, A through Z, though F always comes before S in our alphabet, right kids? Am I correct? F becomes before S. And what we learn is foolishness always comes before sin. Foolishness, F comes before S. Foolishness becomes before sin. Now you'll make the foolish choice and sometimes uh, the unwise choice, it doesn't seem wrong because it's not a right or wrong, but it's a wise and unwise issue. But if you will make foolish choices, it will eventually take you down to sin. And we see that in the life of the prodigal son. His foolish choices took him to sin. F will always take you to S. And we've got to realize that in life, that those foolish choices stack up, but I'm here to say fail forward. And I have a thought I want to drop in our hearts today, and that is former failures are forgiven. Former failures are forgiven. If I could put one thing in our hearts today, I want you to know that former failures are forgiven. And on International Unlucky Day, no matter what's happened this year, and maybe you drug into this year some of the failures from the previous year, and it is stacked up. I'm here to declare to you today that in God, 
former failures are forgiven. You don't have to carry that baggage, that wound, and that consternation in your heart and spirit into the new year. And in just a moment, we're going to have a closing prayer, and God is going to free you from that. God is going to set you free. Former failures are forgiven. Now, all of us want to hide our failures. Some of you have done a good job at it. Yes. You've gone through social media and deleted this, and you put this out of your mind, and you don't tell the story about this, and you mask it over. But all of us have. That's a tendency we have. Every, I do it, and you do it. Come on, we do that. We want to hide our past mistakes. Here just a few months ago, I took my, my grandson, my 14-year-old grandson, to laser tag. He wanted to go. I had never played laser tag. And I went to laser tag. So we went there to the place, paid the fee. Uh, my grandson helped me put on this apparatus all around me. And he explained to me I had to point my laser gun at it. And there were... There were seven of us, seven of us that went into, they lied in this room and it has all kinds of things you can hide behind and we're shooting each other and we are, we're playing the laser tag game. After it was over, all seven of us poured out and there was a monitor on the wall and it had a score. And guess who had the lowest score? Who Guess who was at the bottom? Of all the seven, who lost? Who lost? I'll, you, you know who to... I lost. Yeah. My grandson thought that was cool. Okay. My grandson thought that was cool. My wife asked me later, how did you do? I said, man, I came in seventh. I'm in the top 10. I'm in the top 10. I didn't tell her there were only seven people playing. I just told her I came in seventh. Every one of us we try to do that, don't we? We, wanna, we always want to make our messes look better. Here, don't, don't, try to, don't try to dress up your mess. I'm going to invite you today to know that former failures are forgiven. You can receive forgiveness from God and be delivered from that by the power of Jesus Christ. Now, I have some kids that are going to help me today if they'll come up on the platform. And here to my right, I have a, a Jenga set. You know what Jenga said. I got a big one here so you could see it. These blocks and you know the game. You pick one out without it tumbling down and you play this game. But for, for a moment, I'm going to have the kids. Come on out here. I'm going to have the kids help me on this. And I assemble this. So I have, I have four victims, four volunteers, I mean, that are going to help me with this today. And here, here, Bianca, I want you to go first. You, you go first. Fourth, go around here and, and pick out one. You pick one, and as soon as you pick it out, just you let Dave go ahead, go ahead. Here it is, okay. And I understand this goes on the top, sweetheart. You are next. You pick out one, okay. Grab one, okay. Just that's the one you want, okay. Okay. How about we get another one right here, okay, sweetheart? <laughs> I just, you know, I like that one, but I kind of like that one better. Could we both get this one, okay? I'll help you a little bit, okay? You get out there, get in front and get that. That's the one you went through first, okay? Go ahead. 
Go ahead. Okay. How is that all right? I'll put this one up here. Okay, in buddy, you're the next one. You try one. Good stuff. Get in. Go for it, buddy. Get it, man. Okay, get one. Cool stuff. Now you're sweetheart. Get in here. That's right. I, that's the one you want. That's fine. Okay, sweetheart. Which one do you want? No, that one's too low. I can't get out. Get one up here from the. Pick your one. Just you want this one? Okay. Here we go. In. Grab it. Pull it out. There you go. Come on, Gideon. If they're hard, you can use your teeth. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Let's just keep doing this, okay? Grab it. Grab one. Okay. Come on, sweetheart. Which one do you want? Let's go down here. Okay. Come on, Ian. That's the one you want. Okay. Oh. There it came. You're the culprit, buddy. Go ahead. For a moment, this is life. You see, God has an image of what your life will be. And we make these foolish decisions and sometimes things get rocky and some things, sometimes things get tilted and some things weaken and we sense it in life. And the more we go and the more blocks, you see how more tentative that became? And that's us in life. And this becomes our life. And when this becomes our life, we say this is what's left over and we live the rest of our life with this kind of a, this kind of a mentality. But in the gospel, God says you don't have to live a life of rubble. For you see, former failures are forgiven. And little did you know this is embedded in you. You actually have a belief and a hope and a wish that could come true. Because when you were in the high chair and your mother was feeding you and you would take the spoon and you learned to hold it and sometimes you threw it unintentionally down to the floor, mama would pick it up, wipe it off and hand it to you again. And sometimes you intentionally threw it as a little kid and each time mama said, uh-oh, picked it up and gave it to you and it was at that very point in life. Here's what psychologists tell us. You learned that life could be rebuilt. That one mistake doesn't throw it all away. And then we become as adults and we lose that concept and we think that our life is in shambles. 
But God has something called repentance. Repentance restores. Former failures are forgiven. God brings forgiveness. The prodigal son messed up, spent all of his inheritance. We would have thought he would have never had the ability to show up at home again, but he went back home and what does the Bible say? The father ran out to meet him and received him. Why? Because it teaches us about forgiveness and former failures are forgiven. Now what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is not penance. Some of us have a penance mentality. What is penance? Penance is is showing how sorry we are. Penance is a payment showing how sorry. I do this, I do this, and I do this to penance. I I wanna do this, and the bigger my mistake, sin, mess was, the more penance I have to stack up. And the gospel is not about penance. It's not about appeasement. Appeasement is trying to convince and trying to earn and trying to get back in good standing. Yes, that's, that's Islam. There's no real concept of repentance and forgiveness in Islam. The word conversion doesn't occur in the Quran. It has the idea of submission. You have to follow the rules. And many of us, we live with either a penance or an appeasement mentality. And this is known in theological circles as the resentment theory. You probably have never heard of it. You know what resentment is? Somebody does something against you and you resent and you hold a grudge towards them. It's called the resentment theory in theology. And for so long, hundreds of years, believers have this concept of God and unfortunately even today that God has been angry at humanity since the Garden of Eden and God God's had his grudge about it you messed it up and every time you sin you fail you feel like it just kicks you in the gut and you feel punished for it because God just he's out to get me and God is displeased with me that's the resentment theory Many of us have that, but I'm here to tell you that's not the gospel record. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that forgiveness restores. Repentance brings forgiveness. And even though I messed up, I can rebuild my life. Even though I knocked it over, even though I took the wrong job, even though I I went through a divorce, even though I failed the course, even though I dropped out when I know I should have, I can pick up the pieces and I can rebuild my life again. My life is not in shambles. God says I can be restored. And there's a man by the name of Martin Luther, the reformer, He was living under the the, the mentality of the resentment theory. Never feeling like you could ever appease or earn God's favor, never really being forgiven. But one day, he was reading the New Testament in the book of Romans. And he came to a phrase, the just shall live by faith. 
And he began to read that while we were sinners, God, God loved the ungodly. That when we were weak and at our worst, he loved us Calvary's worth. That God is benevolent in giving grace and forgiveness. And he transfers us, as Romans 8 says, and we become adopted into the family and receive sonship of God. That there is no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. God's not pointing at the failure pile of our life and saying, this is what you are and this is who you are. As I was watching a program yesterday on television in a new book, and there's this, there's this Stanford scientist that is out here, and he's espousing this whole theory in his new book, that whatever you are, you're stuck in it, and you cannot change. Whatever you are, if you're a failure, you made a mistake, you're stuck in that. Whatever you are, you're that for life. And he says you can no more change your past and you can no more change who you are than you can change the color of your eyes. And here's what he said. You just need to give up in whatever lot you were given in life. That's you and you can never be better. And I'm talking to the TV and I'm saying, you're, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're one of those, you're one of those rational fools. The gospel says we can take our failures and forgiveness allows us to rebuild our life. And Martin Luther, Martin Luther introduced something that's called extra nos. Extra nos. What is extra knows it's a latin phrase it's a theology concept that pushes the resentment theory aside and in essence is the gospel it's demonstrated in the story of the prodigal son extra knows what is extra knows you know what extra is okay latin extra it means more it means above and beyond extra like extraordinary, ordinary, extraordinary. You're above, you're more, you're better than that. Extra, nose. What is extra nose? Nose? All my Hispanic friends, you know that. It's in the, it's in the Spanish language. Nosotros. Nosotros means us. We. Ourselves. Martin Luther espoused the theory of the extra nos. He said the Bible teaches you're not stuck in your past and your failures. There is a better extra, better you, a better us that can be realized. And he introduced a theological concept theologians call the extra nos. There is a you that you know exists that you have never seen come to pass. There is a better you inside of you that's in your dreams, your prayers, and your wishes that have always been there, but you perhaps have never realized it and never actualized it in your life. There is something beyond your mistakes and your failures and you've cataloged them and said, I messed up and I, I, I made bad decisions but I didn't mean to and I didn't want to and I didn't intend to and you've looked at that but you think this is who you are. God's saying that's not who you are. There is an extra you 
that you can have and Jesus offers it. Jesus brings that to us. And the story of the prodigal son is this, former failures forgiven. The father did not ask the prodigal to pay him back for what he squandered. The father did not ask or interrogate the prodigal. Why did you do that? It's all forgiven. And he's received back into the family. So whatever failures, guilt, frustration on international unlucky day, don't look back at it. Look to him. And I'll give you assurance you can be free and delivered from that by the power of Jesus Christ. Would you stand together with me? Would you join me in prayer with a head bowed and an eye closed? And in this closing prayer, I'm just going to choke, coach you a little bit. What is the thing, the secret thing, the haunting thing, the gnawing thing that has been the weight that has, that has been gnawing at you, that's told you that's why you can't be and will never become and don't deserve, that's not from God. Today, you ask him to forgive you. And when you ask him to forgive you, the extra notes, the, the, the better you can be realized. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Father, at this moment, this last day of the year, we come before you and we submit every disappointment, sin, unwise choice, miscalculations, ridiculous decision, unspiritual decision, reckless decision. We are pride, the things that have just messed up. And we say, God, forgive us. And Lord, that you would liberate us and we're gonna leave all that baggage here and we're not gonna take it. We're not gonna keep it on our calendar. And we're gonna go through our, our phone and delete all the pictures of that. And we're gonna quit posting about it and, and venting on social media about it. We're gonna truly forgive it. Put it behind us. And today receive God's forgiveness because former failures can be forgiven. I pray that God, I pray we'll step into the new year with the assurance there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And I bless your people and I speak goodness upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>